Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. On the following pictureless podcast of all things prospect dynasty and minor league related, I am your host Lamar Gibson. Today is going to be our second to last stock up, stock down themed episode. I hope you all have found some value, something of relevance in at least one of them thus far. Today we'll be looking across the mighty Mississippi at the prospects of the AO West. So that's the Angels, the Astros, the Rangers, the Athletics, and the Mariners. Before doing so, of course, we will start with Prospect Rundown. I'm recording this on Sunday afternoon, and yesterday was maybe the biggest or the third biggest day on Orioles fans' calendars, uh, slotting after the debut of Adley Rushman. We're still waiting to see Grayson Rodriguez in the Orioles uniform. We did see D.L. Hall make his Major League debut for the Orioles against the Tampa Bay Rays. Hall went three and two-thirds, five hits, five earned runs, three walks, six Ks, so uh, definitely a mixed bag debut. Hall, of course, is a top 100 prospect on most mainstream 2022 preseason rankings. He was number 90 on MLB Pipeline. He was number 80 for Baseball Prospectus. He was number 52 for Baseball America and number 27 on Fangraphs. Uh, he had a series of injuries last year, uh, elbow tendonitis, then he had a Last strain that ended up closing the book on his 2021 pretty early, but he was able to work his way back this year after a couple of brief rehab starts at high and double A. He's pitched 70 innings at triple A Norfolk. He racked up 114 strikeouts of the 317 batters he's faced. He was able to work his way back. And this year, after a couple of brief rehab starts at high and double A, he's pitched 70 innings at triple A Norfolk, racking up 114 strikeouts of the 317 batters he's faced. That's a 36% K rate. So the stuff is definitely there. Um, however, as Orioles fans know, as dynasty managers should know and kind of shown in his start yesterday, Hall continues to lack that top of the rotation uh, type of command that you'd like to see. And with that 36% K rate comes a whopping 13.9% walk rate. And in fact, at every stop of Hall's pro career, he has yet to post a walk rate under 10%. And I know 10% uh, is a little bit arbitrary of a number. Uh, it's not necessarily make or break, but I did think that that was sort of insightful when you look at um, how well his strikeout numbers show up at the lower minors. And he really was able to, to rack up a, a high amount, yet that walk rate still was never at a lower um, percentage uh, where you would kind of expect for somebody of his caliber. So, redraft folks, um, I would say if you're thinking of grabbing him to fill a spot, uh, another thing to keep in mind, he was optioned back 
to uh, AAA Norfolk immediately after his start yesterday. And the reports that I've seen is that um, expectations are for him to be um, recalled again sometime in September, but for relief work. So redraft people keep that context in mind. If you're thinking about grabbing him, maybe to fill a spot in your rotation um, to get into or through the playoffs. So you've been kind of warned both from what to expect production wise, but also how the Orioles are looking at using him for this season. I think most evaluators think, and I would agree that Hall's final destination might be more so as a higher leverage arm out of the bullpen. Um, I was looking at him and, most evaluators think, and I think I agree, that Hall's final destination may actually be as a high leverage arm out of the bullpen. I think that's fine for the Orioles. Uh, they're clearly doing a, a really good job uh, recently with identifying talent to get into their bullpen. They've kind of uh, resurrected Keegan Aiken as a viable major league arm by having him serve in a sort of uh, multi-inning uh, role. I actually think that Dean Kramer or even uh, my go-to uh, Kyle Bradish, they might actually benefit from something similar uh, on the right-hand side, something where they might be able to max out their stuff but limit being exposed to uh, the lineup being turned over three and four times um, over. So, you know, if, if it ends up being a situation where they do stick Hall in uh, and work them through and release spots in September, that actually, we actually might see better numbers overall where the stuff is going to play up, it's it's going to be just as, as good as it should be in any other context, but not having to see these batters two, three, and four possibly times over might actually serve uh, Hall quite well. And he may, again, may um, actually stick around more in the bullpen uh, than he actually does as a starter. We'll see. In terms of fantasy value, I think if you drafted or if you traded for Hall, uh, you probably gave up a decent, a pretty decent player if you traded for him uh, before. So I, I would say even if he turns out to be in that like 2014 to 2016 Andrew Miller role where he was just like running through all of the AL East, Red Sox, Orioles, Yankees, like that sort of uh, late inning dominant pitcher, closure setup guy kind of back and forth like Andrew Miller was. I still think you might feel a little let down. That's probably not who you thought you were dealing for when you dealt for um, Dale Hall or, or drafted him. But I would say if you don't have Hall on your roster, but you're kind of intrigued, um, you, you look through yesterday's start, see what you like, what you don't like. Um, and now, uh, originally I was, uh, my original sort of, uh, advice was going to be, see how he's going to be placed in the rotation. Now that we know we have some context, behind how the Orioles are going to use him, that is going to, that should factor into how you're valuing targeting Dia Hall as well. Um, they option Nick Vespi down and, and Vespi is also a rookie uh, left-hand pitcher who had a really nice eye-opening um, Arizona Fall League season last year. He was one of their left-handed late-inning guys. And so now with Baltimore in the midst of this playoff push, if they're still there in September, if they're bringing Hall back around, Hall might fill in for what Vespi was doing for them. So if you're looking at targeting uh, Dale Hall, picking him up uh, again, redraft, or if you're even thinking about um, maybe springing a deal for him uh, when it comes to dynasty or keeper leagues, now you're looking at the guy who the valuation might change because now it's instead of looking at him as a through the lens of a starter, now you're looking at him through the lens of 
um, a, a back end of the bullpen guy. So maybe somebody, if you're in a saves and holds league, that can steal a couple of holds for you. Um, maybe even a couple of saves. Probably, probably not, but um, definitely in the mix for some some holds for you. And again, helping your ratios out because uh, coming out of the bullpen, limiting the number of innings pitched. Now, if he's going two innings, just one inning, and getting a handful of strikeouts, limiting the walks, limiting the contact, that's going to help your ratios just that uh, much more. So some interesting context behind D.L. Hall. Um, I will say that, you know, his price is definitely going to be in flux currently. So pay attention to when you think it's the best time to lock in uh, for trade to maximize your return if you are so inclined. Moving on, we had the Major League debut of Atlanta Braves shortstop Vaughn Grissom. Uh, Grissom shot to the top of Atlanta's org rankings earlier this summer, and he gets his shot after Orlando Arcia suffers a hamstring injury. So Grissom will actually be mostly playing second base. He also has some third base experience as well. Love to see multi-positionality in our prospects. And I saw a tweet that uh, reminded me, that both Grissom and Spencer Strider were teammates at low A Augusta last season. And you look at them both now, Strider is probably sitting in pole position as NL Rookie of the Year. Now Grissom comes in, he immediately makes an impact with his first ever Major League uh, home run. And I believe he's hit at least one more since. Uh, so redrafters, I think Grissom probably was snapped up by the time the ball left his bat in that first home run in your league, unless it's very deep. But I would say keep the name filed away for next year because I can definitely see Grissom staying around, even if it's just as a utility guy. Uh, I would also say, and, and I hope Braves fans don't get too angry for me suggesting this, but if Dansby Swanson and Atlanta front office can't come to an agreement, you potentially have a replacement player right there, uh, almost similar to what the Astros had with Carlos Correa and then Jeremy Pena. Um, so that's just some things to keep in mind from a dynasty standpoint. Same. I think Grissom is probably long gone before he even got the call up in most dynasty leagues of, of decent size and uh, people that are, you know, decently in the know. I'll say just keep an eye on him. Um, if he works his way into any sort of starting spot next year, like I say, if Swansea walks or if he's just getting a decent number of at bats as a utility guy that they can move around the infield um, to give, you know, Albies a blow. And, and if they do resign Swanson, but to give him some time, Riley as well. Um, I think there's value. He obviously has pop. He's got a little bit of speed. Um, the glove is good. Uh, again, uh, as shown off with the fact that he can play um, all three positions, uh, I think, fairly well. So, um, Von Grissom, a good name to know. If you have him on the roster, you know, if you if you picked him up um, in May, June, when he was really moving up rankings, then kudos to you. Smart move. Uh, keep him stored away. He's going to, I think, build value pretty much in any way, shape, or form for you. And then you can make the nice decision of uh, where he fits into your roster if you want to hang on to him or if you want to deal him. I think either way, uh, he's he, you know he's a good piece to have so you can have that sort of, uh, of problem to resolve. And next up, with my breaks in between uh, publishing episodes, I completely missed being able to highlight the blazing comment that was James Altman of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Altman made his debut on July 31st. He homered in his very first at-bat. 
He wrecked uh, MOB pitching in his abbreviated stint, going six for 13, scored six runs, had three RBI. Uh, he has since been optioned back to AAA. Dodgers, obviously, um, shuffling their lineup with uh, the likes of Clayton Kershaw and Chris Taylor coming and going due to injury. So uh, having to free up different spots for their established veteran guys. Outman uh, goes back to Oklahoma City. Uh, but it was a fun ride, and at age 25, Altman is the type of player that uh, could possibly get moved in the offseason. Uh, he's shown in the minors that he really has a three-true outcome approach, and going to a, a team that might be you know, uh, looking for talent, might be less talented at the major league level, and looking to kind of churn through uh, their roster spots, that three-true outcome uh, approach may not be outdated for them they they might be okay with that so you know keep outman uh in mind see if he moves in the offseason uh to another team where he might be able to at least jump into a platoon situation and he might be a nice pickup to have as a bench bat um just to pop a couple home runs for you here and there get a few walks um it's kind of ironic that uh they send outman down uh, and then a week or so later, they trade for Joey Gallo. Some similarities uh, there in their profile. Obviously, Gallo is, is like the three true outcome, or at least was the three true outcome sort of king. Um, and I think Outman is is in in his uh, in his shadow, if we will. So that's uh, that's James Outman there. Uh, lastly, we always like to shine a light on the heartening prospect stories whenever we can. And we saw the major league debut of Winton Bernard of the Colorado Rockies. Bernard makes his debut at 31 years old uh, after 10 years in minor league baseball. He also, uh, I saw, played in Australia in their baseball league as well. Uh, he was originally drafted back in 2012 in the 35th round, so a round that doesn't even exist anymore. And that was by San Diego Padres coming out of uh, Niagara University. Bernard went one for three. He scored a run, stole a base. So kudos to Wynton Bernard, to his family for persevering and enduring. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't easy, but he stuck with it. It paid off at least for one night. He'll always get to say that he's in the record books as a Major League Baseball player. And that's the end of Prospect Rundown. After the break, we'll look at the prospects of the AO West and discuss whose stock is up. And whose has gone down? Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show We're back and we'll immediately jump into it. Uh, 
each of the teams in the Air West uh, all kind of have some interesting pieces at their affiliate levels. So starting with stock up, the first player I want to bring in is with the Texas Rangers. That's third baseman Josh Young. And I know it's a bit unconventional with Josh having been uh, out for almost the entire season after suffering a shoulder injury early in the spring. But uh, his rehab assignment and what he's been able to do at uh, Round Rock so far, he's pretty much uh, torched everything coming back from this shoulder injury. And I think it's important to remember that he was heavily in the mix to break spring training camp. Uh, as the Rangers starting third baseman, or at least as, as their sort of primary third baseman um, to get most of the playing time. And I definitely see, you know, Jung is going to continue his AAA season. I think he might get some time in Arizona in the fall league just to get him some more uh, reps at bat. And Texas has yet to find a permanent solution to third base. They've gone through several different players. None of them have, between last year and this year, none of them have really stuck at all and I can easily see Young once again breaking camp in 2023 as the Rangers primary at the hot corner just uh, as a primer Young came into this preseason before the injury ranked number 31 by baseball prospects number 29 by MLB pipeline number 26 by baseball America number 12 by Fangrass and looking at his 2021 minor league season that helped propel these rankings uh, combined between double and triple A, then he hit 326, 398, 592, 19 home runs, 22 doubles. And the last thing to note on Young is that he is going to be Rule 5 eligible this offseason. And you know that he's obviously not going to be exposed in the Rule 5 draft. So the Rangers are going to have to add him to their 40 man. And if you add him to the 40 man, again, they have no really good other option at third base and instead they had Andy Ibanez. Uh, Ibanez got hurt and then um, pretty much cooled off from what he was doing. He's now down in the minor leagues again. They had Yanni Hernandez last year. He didn't stick. He's with Arizona I believe now. Uh, Charlie Coberson, he's not the answer. Uh, I know they've given some time to Josh Smith and Ezekiel Duran, and both of them had some hot stretches, but nothing consistent. And I don't think either have the talent or the upside of Young. So if Young can stay healthy and continue uh, hitting as well as he's done since coming back from this injury, he's pretty much almost guaranteed to start in 2023. So uh, I know it's kind of, uh, like I said, unconventional unconventional to say his stock has gone up but uh it's pretty much a guy that if you had him stashed in dynasty it's almost like a, a free free agent uh addition there because again he's getting added to the 40 man you know he's going to get uh, a good number of at bats all through 2023 because again rule five you got to keep him uh in on the 40 man for the entire season so he's pretty much locked and loaded to get at bats at the major league level. That's what we want to see. If you're looking at him for redrafts, I try to continue to appeal to redraft folks with the podcast. This is a guy that you want to have his name, uh, you know, on your list. You want to have him back of mind because when you're going through and you're making your picks, he's a guy that can be mid late round that you can sneak in 
boom, you got a third baseman. Maybe he's not your primary guy. Maybe you've, you've gotten a Jose Ramirez or somebody else earlier on, but he can be that second, third base bat that you till spot that you can put in something of that nature. And I think he's going to do well. Now, you know what his numbers are projections. That's not my background. That's, that's not what I do at all, but I think he has the talent that, Overall, I think when we look at his 2023, it'll be valuable for you in both a redraft and a dynasty context. So Josh Young, keep the name in mind. Don't forget about him. Next stock up is going to be a pitcher, and that's Hunter Brown of the Houston Astros. Brown, you probably saw uh, if you watched the Futures game this year, he's had a really good season. I would say if the Astros uh, hadn't uh, been able to bring Lance McCullers to what's already a very talented rotation, then you probably would have seen Brown called up by now, I think on a, on a lesser team than what the Houston Astros are putting out there. A guy like Hunter Brown is already making his major league debut. Um, Brown's season currently, he has 118 uh, strikeouts and 91 two-thirds innings, 31.7K rate, 1.12 whip, batting average against of .188. And I'll say the big tipping point for Brown this year where his stock is going up is he's been able to maintain 11% walk rate. Now, I know that doesn't sound amazing, uh, but I would say compare it to last year's time in AAA. He's been able to uh, add significantly to those strikeout numbers. I think it's an increase. Uh, if you look at the same number of innings, which was around 50-some-odd innings that he had at AAA last year and his first 50-some-odd uh, innings of AAA this year, he was able to add about uh, 4 to 5% to the K rate, and he's minimized the walk rate. I think it was uh, about a 2% uh, uh, addition this year to last year in the walk rate. To be fair, I just offered criticism of D.L. Hall uh, earlier when it comes to uh, the same issue. And I would say while Brown has looked really good throughout this season, that inconsistent command history still lingers. And I would say with that Astros rotation, it's very easy to see Brown starting his career in the bullpen instead of as a starter. Because who is he bumping out of the way? And he's right at that level. There's really nothing else for him to do at the AAA level. He's right age-wise there. So they're going to have to make a decision. And again, I can definitely see him at least starting in the bullpen versus uh, as an everyday starter. But I would say he's still someone that's nice to have on your roster, especially in a dynasty capacity or keeper league capacity. Um, I'm not necessarily banking on him as SB2 type, but you know Astros development. Like I said, him being able to start in the bullpen, I think, actually helps him because you have uh, him not having to make starts, uh, difficult starts every five days. And they very well could use him in a multi-inning uh, relief capacity, which means that he's helping you with your counting stats, decent with the ratios, but not getting le- uh, not getting overly exposed. And then if there is an injury or something of that nature, um, he is somebody that can get plugged in in 2023. Uh, I still don't see, like I said before, I still don't think that we're going to see him this year. So redraft folk, uh, I don't think that you need to um, be looking to try to pick him up in, in case he makes a September debut unless there is an injury. But name to know going into 2023, uh, somebody to watch what 
uh, Houston does in the offseason uh, with their staff as, you know, they're always looking to acquire, get better, see what happens with him. I'm not saying that they would deal him necessarily, but it's just something to watch. And then look for him in spring training. How do they use him? How are um, the front office and uh, Dusty talking about uh, use, utilizing him when it comes to 2023? Because I definitely think he's making his major league de- major league debut next year it's just a matter of um, how early in the season and where exactly they're going to start using him lastly in our stock up section is going to be catcher and i kind of went back and forth on this uh i settled on uh shay langeliers of oakland athletics i did consider um edgar uh caro of the los angeles angels um i went with langeliers we're going to talk about him I know folks are really high on Edgar uh, Kiro. I just, um, I'll be honest, right now, I like Langoliers more. I know Kiro shows, uh, number one, he's younger, and he's showing some skills, especially um, being able to steal some bases along with power that people really like. He's a low-A guy with the Angels. It just doesn't, it's not turning my head personally. I don't disrespect or knock anybody that is picking him up or talking, uh, talking him up. That's great. I'm cool with, with, you know, sitting and watching and seeing what he does this time next year. But, you know, just to be transparent on how that decision was made, I'm going with Langoliers. Uh, if you like Edgar Carroll more, we can talk about it in another space. That's perfectly fine. Um, you know, I know he's not the, the Langoliers is not the sexiest name amongst this bumper pro, uh, crop of catching prospects. But I, another thing that I like is he's been incredibly consistent from his time in Atlanta to uh, now with Oakland showed off some of his power. Also in the futures game, uh, hit the solo home run, ended up winning MVP. Looking at a season, 285, 367, 513 line, 19 home runs, 18 doubles. Tripped in five stolen bases. I don't think that's a huge part of his game, but it's always nice to see with a catcher. I would say, unfortunately for Lenny Lewis, he's found himself in a very similar situation as to what he left in Atlanta. He's kind of second or third in the uh, org depth chart when it comes to his position. Oakland obviously has Sean Murphy. He's seemingly entrenched as the current backstop. So it's kind of hard to see where Langoliers is going to get playing time in Oakland. I still wouldn't mind having him on my roster in the standard dynasty league. Again, he's not going to have the same big name value as Francisco Alvarez or Gabriel Moreno uh, to say nothing about somebody like Ali Rushman, obviously. But I would say at his age, with his talent, his overall profile, he's going to be attractive to some major league team. Uh, because again, like Josh Young, he's rule five eligible. So Oakland's going to have to make a decision on how he fits into their long-term plans. Either they're going to move him up and try to work him into getting some sorts of at-bats. Obviously they have, uh, Tyler Soderstrom, who's, they've kind of been going back and forth with him playing, uh, catcher and first base. They have a couple more years with Soderstrom before they're forced to make a decision. But with Langoliers, maybe he splits time with Murphy. Maybe they start to work him out at another position. Um, I haven't seen anything uh, this year that hints towards that. Or maybe Oakland takes uh, what I would say is a pretty silly gamble um, and exposes him to the Rule 5 draft. I doubt that he makes it back to him. Somebody's going to snap him up. Maybe they think about dealing him, in which case, again, he's a perfect example of a guy that whoever they deal him to, it's going to be a team that does not have um, a catcher of note uh, that they're rolling with. And so all of a sudden he falls in as 
being penciled in as that everyday guy, I think that's, you know, that could be a perfect fit for him. So some decision is going to have to be made. I think he's done what he needs to do, controlling what he can control uh, as far as showing the production. He's good defensively. He showed off the arm in the Futures game as well. Um, definitely can uh, throw out base runners uh, as necessary. So, again, not super sexy, but solid all the way around. Um, good hitter, has power, good defensively, right age right timing uh if you have Langoliers on your team i think just hold i don't think you necessarily have to move them unless there's a, a bigger deal in the works but I, I would say just hold them redraft here's another guy don't forget about him keep an eye on what happens in the offseason he if you're in a two catcher league perfect perfect target for you if you're in a single catcher league but you like to maybe rotate through a couple catchers he's a guy that you want to you know want to know about uh, you can make a decision on whether you want to draft them or maybe you want to, you know, depending on your league size, you can gamble in a redraft, let them go to the waiver wire and then just see about picking them up. But so, uh, I'm sorry, Langoliers is a name to know, uh, in whatever draft or whatever league context, because some way, shape or form, he's going to be playing in the major leagues in 2023 if, if he's healthy. Um, it's just a matter of what team is he going to be on? And what overall capacity, but he's going to be there. He's done everything else at the AAA level that he can do. There, there's nothing left for him there either. So uh, that's Langoliers. That's our stock up, folk. We're going to shift into talking about stock down. We're going back to Texas. Talk about Rangers, former number two draft pick, Jack Leiter. Um, Leiter doesn't need much introduction. But I will say his first pro season is not going, I think, according to uh, his plan or definitely the Rangers plan. Uh, so far, he's pitched 69 and two thirds innings, 79 strikeouts, has a 556 ERA, a five wit, uh, I'm sorry, a five FIP, six hit batters, five wild pitches. So definitely the command control or up and down there. The ERA obviously stands out, but really the major questions seem to be around his stuff. And, and again, that command, the K rate is sitting at 25%. Walk rate is 13%. Hasn't really been sharp in his pitch execution overall. And he's been getting punished for it by much talented, uh, much more talented hitters than uh, what he's faced in the past. And I think that aggressive assignment by the Rangers really just didn't do him any favors. I personally completely understand you want to challenge somebody of his caliber but there is a reason that double a is seen as such a make or break level for prospects overall just the level of talent the experience that's there is unlike any other and for a guy even a guy as talented as jack Leiter, coming straight out of college and getting put into that environment i think it sort of smacks of desperation from the rangers because they don't really have much other um major league ready pitching when you look at dane dunning hasn't really um Hasn't really done it for him, no, for them, no pun intended. Spencer Howard, since coming over from the Phillies, we thought maybe that was going to be a good, you know, change of environment for him. That hasn't really uh, come to fruition. So they're looking around uh, again, having made these major investments in the middle of uh, their infield with Simeon and Seeger. You have, we already talked about Josh Young. They want to start to hit the ground as contenders, whether they're ready to or not. That seems to be what they're trying to go for. They don't have the pitching to do it. And I think uh, the selection of Jack Leiter I have no problem with, but uh, bumping him up to double A to start immediately. Um, and, and, you know, they, they didn't demote him, which 
the emotions are always, you know, that's always touchy because you want to be respectful of a guy's emotional state. What message does that send? Does he lose confidence, etc.? So I get, you know, after it, you know, the first month or so, they didn't want to roll him back. They wanted to, you know, keep him going forward. But I, I just don't get starting him off at double A so aggressively. You know, starting at high A, like most college, uh, most college bats are going to be there. Um, as far as draft uh, draft picks, most high end college bats, they get assigned to a high A. Put a guy like Lighter there is going to be closer to guys around his age, his experience, his talent level. If he dominates, that's great, and then you can bump him up. And then if he runs into a rough spot, okay, he at least has something to tack back to. Um, I will say this. I think with Lighter's makeup, obviously his family background, we know, you know, his dad, his uncle, I think that will help him bounce back, you know, better than most other pitchers in a similar situation. Um, and, and I would expect his second run at double A because I would hope that they give him a, another bite at this apple um, next year. And I think it will be more successful. So I, if I have Lighter on my team, I'm not panicking as of yet, but. I would say let's have him finish this season. Let's take a look at what 2023 looks like. I think right now, if you have Lighter on your on your team in a dynasty keeper context, um, he he's almost like you have to hold because I don't think you're seeing him at max value now. So if you deal him, you're pretty much guaranteed to be dealing him at the lowest point that he's probably going to be in his career, barring some sort of injury obviously you know that we can't foresee i don't think he can pitch worse than this if i can be so bold i think it'll either either we we overvalued him and he's going to be kind of like back in rotation just never really hit the full potential guy or he is going to get somewhere closer there either way I think you hold and you want to see that happening um, at the minor league level and then hopefully at the major league level, of course. So if you have lighter on your team, I'm pretty much holding him. In that case, if you're targeting lighter, I don't really know what you're going to be able to give up to get him because, again, uh, unless he's part of a larger deal where you have like major league players involved, etc. If I have lighter, I'm just not giving him up because I'm not. I don't think he's done. You know, after just one season, I it, it, with an assignment that I don't agree with. I don't think this is uh, the the Jack Lighter in full. So at the same time, you know that that still uh, puts him at stock down. I think we were hoping to see a better pro season um, debut from Lighter than what he uh, has done. And uh, the second on our stock down list is another pitcher, uh, sort of similar circumstance. This is Emerson Hancock. Uh, Hancock was drafted number six overall in the 2020 draft. And uh, I think while he was definitely given high marks on, on scouting reports, I still think he was kind of seen as being the third or fourth best sort of prospect in the Seattle system. Definitely sliding behind Logan Gilbert, sliding behind George Kirby. Uh, you, you might argue where, you know, him and Brandon Williamson may have sat, but it was kind of seen as that sort of quartet was going to be the, the the four main guys for the next great Mariners rotation. Obviously, Williamson has since been dealt, but Gilbert is up. He's looked good. Kirby is up. He's looked uh, pretty good as well. And I would say since being drafted Hancock, uh, he's been able to limit contact pretty consistently. He's maintained a low whip. Right now, he has a 1.08 uh, whip at AA Arkansas. But again, similar to lighter, the stuff not generating strikeouts. And pretty much every strikeout metric that you can look at 
that at least you had we have general access to so not looking at uh, minor league specific data but just the general stuff k per nine under nine so that's less than a strikeout per inning k rate 22.9 that's not um, anything spectacular swing rate 12 percent again kind of average to belowish average you know depending on depending on how you feel about uh, uh, swing swing strike rate for pitching prospects, but it's definitely not anything outstanding. And I'll be honest, I haven't had a chance to look into the why behind the low numbers, but I do know that with the parent, uh, with the Mariners in the playoff hunt, uh, another season of them being in the playoff hunt, and they pushed all their chips forward with acquiring uh, Luis Castillo, you see less of a need for Hancock to join Gilbert and Kirby as part of that next great Mariners team as part of that rotation. Uh, he still has options. He won't be Rule 5 eligible until the end of 2023 um, if, if obviously he's not added to the 40-man. So uh, it's not the same sort of scenario as Young or Langoliers where they're going to have to make a decision this offseason. He's still got some time on that end. I would say this this is typically uh, smacks of really good buy-low territory. When you have a high-end prospect that has struggles in kind of one particular area, but when you look overall, they're not terrible. And I think that's Hancock, right? He's struggling with generating strikeouts, but whip is good. Um, ERA is decent, not great, but I, I can't say he's been you know awful across the board. It's just the strikeouts piece that trying to figure out. I would say it might be smart to target him. You might want to keep an eye uh, as far as lowering his value and his ceiling from being that sort of SP3 type. Now you might be looking at him as being more of a back of the rotation guy, um, somebody who might become matchup heavy, not necessarily streamer, but, you know, uh, a guy that, hey, if he's going against the Dodgers, the Astros, those sorts of teams, we're sitting him. But some of the lesser teams, he's an easy rollout and start. I would say that's a play towards there still being a chance that Hancock unlocks something in the offseason, right? So you're kind of trying to buy him low, hoping that he's going to either unlock something that causes the strikeouts to tick up or at least be consistent with keeping that whip and that contact down so that at least he's kind of control heavy um, and, and a good ratio play there, even if he's not generating the strikeouts for you. I would say if you're targeting him, though, uh, and again, this is in a dynasty or, or keeper uh, contact, so not thinking about redraft at all. But don't be surprised if your league mates uh, are still looking to just deal him for another top 100 uh, prospect guy or a top 200 type of uh, MOB player. And, and they might be basing that simply off the name recognition, right? They drafted him or they picked him up, you know, with, with a certain sort of name recognition connected. And so they might be still looking to deal him for something similar. And in that case, I say just wait it out, see what the uh, Mariners do. I know that uh, it looks like Chris Flexen is already getting bumped from his spot in the rotation. We know that nobody loves to trade more than Jerry DePoto. So, you know, who knows what their offseason is going to look like? Who knows what that means for Hancock, where he's going to end up? So wait it out. But, you know, dig into Hancock, do your due diligence. I'm going to try to do mine, figure out maybe what's uh, stemming or where the low strikeout numbers are stemming from. If it's something mechanical, if it's a pitch mix thing, whatever the case might be. And if it's something that doesn't cause you great alarm, again, the buy low play seems to be there. Last for stock down is going to be outfielder Pedro Leon of the Houston Astros. Leon was paid uh, sort of as the replacement for George Springer after Springer signed with Toronto. 
um, and at 24 years old with experience on the Cuban national team at the time of uh, his international signing, I think many thought that Leon would be an impact bat for the Astros within a season or so. Give him some time to adjust to pro ball in, in America. But then, you know, he's uh, has some uh, significant experience overall and uh, again, some uh, general years under his belt that he should be able to get called up. Uh, the power and speed potential that Leon represented has mostly been evident in his two pro seasons. Uh, right now, he has 14 home runs, 32 stolen bases, and he actually has above average walk numbers, including 13.4%. The biggest thing with him, swing decisions have led his K rates both seasons to be above 27%. And currently, he is out with a facial fracture after he was hit with a pitch on August 9th. Reports do say that he will be able to avoid surgery, so that's just good to hear overall. Very scary injury um, to hear about. And I'll say, you know, that injury to the side, he's not really trending towards being that Springer replacement that many dynasty managers probably expected from him and, and may have drafted or picked him up uh, looking to see. And I think, uh, honestly, he looks more and more similar to another former uh, Astros outfield prospect and outfielder, uh, Jose Siri in that they both have pretty tantalizing set of tools, but just lack the approach to make contact with multiple pitch types in multiple different locations. Um, I think Leon might have a better general approach given the walk numbers, but it also looks like, you know, he is cherry picking, looking mostly fastballs um, in certain locations to be able to drive and anything else he's not really able to handle in the same in the same way. So I think like Siri Leon right now is profiling as a fourth outfielder type. And I think it's very telling that, you know, since George Springer's departure, Houston has not found a consistent everyday center fielder. They have gone through Miles Straw, obviously dealt him, Chase McCormick. They had uh, Kyle Tucker out in center for some time. Um, Jake Myers has kind of, his time has kind of come and gone. It looks like, and throughout that time, they have not given Pedro Leon a shot at all. That, to me, kind of indicates how they might value him as a major league player. And so that should be informative to us as well in the dynasty aspect. I would say with Leon, uh, I'm not necessarily looking to pick him up or deal for him. I'll wait to see if he actually can make his major league debut, whether it's with uh, Houston or with another team. And, you know, just like Siri, he may take off, you know, really hot. But, you know, let's get through the first 50 at-bats. Let me see what he is, uh, you know, 100 at-bats in. And then I can probably make a better decision on what I feel about with Pedro Leon. But definitely not right now at the level that we may have expected a couple years ago. So with that, that's our stock up and stock down for the ALS. That gives us one last division. Uh, my, obviously, biased favorite division, uh, the AL East to do and that will be one of our next episodes again still trying to get guests on the pod it's just a matter of scheduling and getting things locked in with the summer you know people on vacation people trying to get their stuff out um as well but hopefully i'll be able to have a couple of episodes um august and september with some guests on and then uh, we'll also be able to wrap up stock up stock down as well with the L east other than that I always want to remind listeners that you can find this podcast and all of our Pitcher List pods on the Pitcher List Network podcast page. They're all available in the podcast section of Pitcher List for you to find, listen, and subscribe. Of course, you can find me on Twitter at Inside Fastball, capital I, capital F. Uh, you can find me again on Reddit, 
and Scott Shoes uh, asked me anything on Friday for Pitcher List. Um, that is inside underscore fastball, all lowercase letters. I'm still cranking out the newsletter as well. Um, that actually should be coming out this week. I know I'm a week behind. I apologize. But the monthly newsletter should be coming out. That is um, Inside Fastball is what it's called. You can find it on the Twitter page if you want to subscribe. You can email me uh, Inside Fastball Newsletter at gmail.com. And I would do, I would try to do a much better job of, of checking the inbox there so I can respond back to any emails I might get. And I think that's, I think that's everything. I know that's, that's always a lot of stuff. Check out, I always uh, would like you all to check out the minor league baseball player and pitcher of the week articles. I'm really enjoying putting those together. I hope you're finding them to be valuable and insightful, trying to highlight some different names, um, some folks that you may not normally see or hear about and have uh, some gift breakdowns as well. So you can see how they're getting the results that they get, whether they're uh, pitchers with some really good stuff or hitters that have um, really nice mechanics and and really know how to uh, put barrel to ball. With that said, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.